Constructing your life is about much more than just building a bank account. Each week, join real estate entrepreneur and mindset coach Austin Linney as he interviews guests who are constructing their dream lives and impacting the world around them on a daily basis. If you're an entrepreneur or wanting to start a business, or you just want to hear motivating stories of how others have overcome the odds, you are in the right place. And now for your host, Austin Linney. Guys, welcome back to Construct Your Life. This is Austin Linney here. Guys, I sprung it on him. He doesn't even know. This is his first podcast. We were having a meeting and I was like, no, we're going to do a podcast because, you know, there's, there's, there's not a lot of people that I talk to on a regular basis um, that I have more respect for than, than this man who he is as a father, um, as a businessman, just as a person in general. And so I wanted him to come on to share his story. So he may inspire others because I I feel like lately I've been running into a lot of people that are looking to make that jump. And, you know, this year for you has been interesting to say the least. So take us back. We don't need, you know, you can do the whole story if you want, but more, more importantly, take us back to the beginning of this year and and what you were doing and kind of what's happened since. Yeah. Well, thanks for springing this on me. Corey Mason, by the way, everybody, Corey Mason. Yeah. Um, So, I guess the beginning of this year, January, I was just so discontent with what I was doing every day. So I was a commercial real estate broker and I was doing that for about four years total. And I just found myself like searching, just like chasing money, but also learning along the way. And I was just, I I asked myself, where do I want to be in five years? And it wasn't a broker and we're based here in Cincinnati. It's a very small, you know, community of real estate people and everyone knows every move. So God, I was, it was just like boiling up like in my soul where I had to do something and I didn't know what to do, but I knew I wanted to be in real estate and I didn't want to work for anybody. Um, So the pain of staying the same outweighed the pain of change. So I just, I, I knew I had to had, have some sort of disruption in my life in order to make that jump. And that month of January, I was just searching. And I think that's how we found each other on, I think it was on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Man, the rest was history from there. Before we before we get into what happened, what what were what was holding you back from from making the leap? You know, I mean, you're a, you're a father. You have bills. You have other things. Was it fear of the money, or was it fear of just like I don't know if I can do this? I always believed in myself. I, it was the money. I had you know a six month old at the time. Uh, my oldest is five and a half. Does it feel, does it, does it, is there somewhat, and I'm not a father, but is there somewhat where if you make that leap, it feels selfish? Does that ever come into play? No, because the conversations with me and my wife were just completely, how can we design our life around our business? So my mindset was this was completely unselfish because I can actually be at home 
And when she, when she goes to the grocery store at 1030 on Tuesday, Reese can nap in the other room and I can still be at home working and help out. And our biggest dream was just at January 1, how can we design our life that whole year? Trips, you know, whatever, vacations, experiences, challenges with our family, different, you know, adventure things that we can do to design our life in a way where we control our calendar. And I just felt like I couldn't do that with what I was doing. So it, you know, those conversations you have with your wife or significant, significant other at night or, you know, on the weekends when you're drinking coffee and you're like, man, what kind of life do we want to live really? You know? And uh, you start peeling back the layer and then something inside of you just starts to build. And then you have to, you got to jump at some point Mm -hmm. to see what, what God has, out there for you and have the faith and belief in yourself. And at the beginning, money is going to be the biggest thing that you're scared of. But I asked myself, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, I live in a van down by the river with my family. At least I have my family because I know in my heart, I'm a grinder and I can hustle and I can make things happen. But that belief in yourself from the beginning when you have no deals is tough. Yeah. But there's no, there's going to be no right time to do it. Right. I mean, still away a little bit of money, but I only had like three months and, you know, some people might say that's like, you know, irresponsible, but I'm like, I can always get a job if I wanted to and, you know, build that back up. But this, how bad do you want it? Like, do you want it really? Or do you kind of want it? Mm-hmm. And that, those were some of the questions that I asked myself. And I knew I had to become a different person. Um, to achieve those goals that I set out. So that's, I think, just thinking through it now, that's, that's how we met. It's like, okay, what, what do I, what mindset, beliefs, values do I, do I have to adopt to be that person that can provide, provides, you know, flexibility at home under, you know, seeks out the best opportunity to provide for my family in, in a way where we can just live our life the way we want. And it, it takes it takes transformation is the best word for it. I talked to two guys yesterday. I said, part of the joys is it's all on you. And part of the misery is it's all on you. <laughs> it's, it's this, it's dichotomy of, yeah, you get what you want, which is your time and your freedom and your choices. But also you don't get to blame the boss anymore. You don't get to blame the environment. And so when I tell everybody is when you're, there's two things in this universe that always find a place, time and money. And if you don't plan, if you don't schedule yourself out, you know, transitioning from I work in an office to I have three kids and I'm at home is probably not the easiest thing in the world to, to get the schedules right. But but your wife is so supportive that I'm sure maybe it took a couple of weeks, but I'm sure you started getting in a groove. Yeah, I mean, 
it was cool because we had to establish a schedule that we can actually both, you know, be on board with. But as you remember, like at the beginning, it was just like, you know, no VAs, a couple softwares, my overhead's 300 bucks a month. And I'm just trying to find single family wholesales and multifamily deals mm-hmm. that I can bring to other people. And it was every day, like nine to six, just calling on the phone, not even knowing if what I'm doing is going to lend to a deal, but it's just having that faith. Like if I put in the work, like I truly believe that God was going to take care of me because I had such a weight off my shoulders that I just, there was no other choice for me. So it was like this three decisions that I usually process in my head is like my heart, my head, and my gut. It's like those all three were aligned at the time. And then you were in my ear as well, which I really think was the catalyst. Because I remember taking that video on my last day at work and uh, just going in there, filming it before I walked in. It was almost like a funeral, like the the tone of it. And it was like, what the why the fuck am I so like depressed about like this is like a great moment, but looking back, you you didn't know what the future held. So that's the entrepreneurship life. And it's like I was talking to you about this a couple weeks ago, that imaginary suffering that goes on in your brain where you don't know what's going to happen or come in. Um, now you seek some sort of, you know, stability with what you do, but it's never fully going to be there. And well, you, can you well, accept that? Well, you're seeking stability in your habits, not in your income. And I just thought of that. Mm. So, I mean, think about that, right? Mm-hmm. And I told this to a client yesterday. His need for money and how he's treating it like Lord of the Rings Gollum is the reason that he's not getting it because he's because it's the only thing that he's focused on. So when you focus on something, it will elude you. It's not until you surrender and just say, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to live in the process. And by the way. We will never stop chasing money. I mean, the entrepreneurs. No. We'll never stop chasing money, but I think it's super important to be aware that you can understand that there's so much money out there to be had. It's infinite, right? So you will never stop trying to achieve more, more, more. But I think it's really important to look back and say, what do I really want? Like, what is my number? What is my lifestyle? Yeah, but, it, but it's, it's more everything. It's more time with my kids. It's more love. Right. It's more. And so when you create this abundant mentality from an entrepreneurship's point of view, that's why it's so attractive. You know, and people think it's sexy now because, you know, <laughs> they see all the Instagram stuff. But dude, dude, it sucks. It sucks. And it's also you're in the dirt a lot, man, like literally and mentally. It, like, like, let's just call it what it is. <laughs> you're. The ability to grow as an entrepreneur is solely based off of fixing shit. <laughs> You're putting like, fires out. Yeah, all day. 
I, dude, every day I have that George Strait song in my head. <laughs> Call me a fireman. That's my name. That's all I do all day. Because, because what I realized is that, especially as a CEO and leading people, they're only paying you for your judgment. That's it. People can do everything. A VA can do this and an acquisition guy can do this, but they're saying, should we do this? Two different, two different scenarios. Yeah. And at the beginning, it's like, which, which task do I give to someone else that's kind of below my pay grade? And when do you actually have time to put together the training for that? So like I'm at this point in my business where I've done some deals, I got some capital, some, some working capital. And it's like, what's the first task to hand off? Because I can't do it all. And I, I really do think it's important to you know wear a lot of hats at the beginning and understand everything and your systems. And I'm not even saying I have mine in, in check yet, but um, that's another piece that you know you struggle with early on is how can I scale this? in a smart way. Um, but like you were saying, if you, you really can't scale a company until you can master yourself and your leadership and your habits and your daily activities, because how can you teach someone else on your team to be a killer if you're not holding yourself accountable? And it's like this, this thing that I'm, you know, I work through every day and think about like how I can become a better version of myself every day because it's my duty, like you said, right? Like it truly is yeah. my duty. Well, I interviewed this guy yesterday and he said that all business problems are just personal problems wrapped up in business solutions, mm. meaning, meaning every problem that's in your business, whether it's sales or lack of confidence, is merely just personal. That's, that's a personal issue. And, and we, we disguise it as, well, my business is, he goes, every time I, my business is this, you know, his clients say this, he's like, okay, well, what's going on in your personal? And once they fix the personal, it fixes in the business. It's, it's, it's how it is. So how long did it take you to get your first deal after you left and, and, and talk us through um, how you found it and what happened? Yeah. So I left February 11th, my, my actual job. I think we had a conversation on the day. Eighth, eighth. So I went in there. I was like, I'm done. And um, I, I went straight to work. Like you recommended like a little break for the transition, but I, I, I couldn't afford that. So I pulled a bunch of data and I cleaned it and I skip traced it. And I just went to work based on which zip code I want to own in right now and do business in, which just happens to be in my backyard. Um, so I, I made, I don't know, hundreds of call, hundreds of calls every week. And I finally got a lead of this owner. He was older and he wanted to get rid of his properties because he was moving to Florida. I was like, okay, this is great. Met with him. He didn't sign the first time. Met with him again, didn't sign. And then I, I, I realized that rapport is so important and you can't just think about, <laughs> the checks that are going to come. So I began to kind of dive in his story and his son, you know, what he wants to do with the money. And it kind of solidified our relationship. 
So I bought his deal, uh, his duplex for 95 and I wholesaled it for 115. And then I bought his other single family for 40. And I think I wholesaled it or I double closed on it for 50 or sorry, 80 or 90. Mm -hmm. So like within the first 36 days, I think I closed like 60, 65. So it was like, so what did that? (laughs) Yeah. It was insane. Like I remember talking to you and it was like this barrier just broke and it's like, I can do this. I put in the work like this works. Right. No, no, no. Not only, not only, not only this works. I work. I work. I saw something. I made a plan. It happened. It didn't matter if that first wholesale was a million dollars. That confidence from that (laughs) done was, yeah, the floodgates were off. And then I was like, all right, what else can I get? And I picked up, you know, I don't know, X amount of units this year that I had, I didn't think I could ever do. You know, my goal this year was 50. And I know it's a lot just like ground zero, but uh, we're getting there. Like, and I'm, I'm excited about it. And I'm figuring out a lot of things like, you know, who to bring these deals to, who I like to partner with, who, who's a good operator. And every, this is funny. Every relationship I've ever had that has been fruitful has been through a cold call or a cold message. And I'm, I've been brewing over this for like two weeks and my partners now, my lenders, my property manager, you, my wife, you know, all the jobs I used to have, you have to put yourself out there and you have to bet on yourself and you have to be willing to hear no. Right. I heard 500 no's when I was making calls. And it's just that one yes, or maybe, right? You slip in and then you get it done. But uh, I don't know. I, I went on a tangent there, but the you gotta you gotta be willing to overcome the worst thing in your mind that you think you can that's gonna happen to you because it's not gonna happen. That's the secret. As, as long as you're willing to put in the work and let God universe take care of everything else. And that's, it's a hard thing to overcome because a lot of people think, man, I got this money coming in for my W2. I really want to go full time. I'm just going to save a little bit more money. Like how many people say that? And I, I said it too. No, they say it and it, it, five years later, they're still doing it. No, dude, pull the plug, jump. The the money is not going to give you the security that you think it is. It's going to give you breathing room to operate in a free space to, to, to maneuver. But what I think was so important for you in your situation is that you two things. One, your wife was completely on board. The, the second thing is, is that your monthly nut on your house and your lifestyle was lower as well, too. So you had a lot of freedom. Um, but I know that the defining moment for you was interesting because I was on vacation, whatever you want to call that. My, my whole life's a vacation, but, 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 but you were 
not you had made some money no i don't think you had done it yet because this was early march so you hadn't popped a property yet or, or you were about to or something yeah like march 15th was like when I and what pulled. and I, I know you can't pull it up because it's too deep in the messages but what it what, summarize what i said in the messages dude you're so supportive like i can't remember exactly what you said i remember i know it was positive and you you're like you were my biggest cheerleader i it was i've never had other than my wife and uh you know my mom someone that was in my corner that was just that wanted wanted to see me be successful, not only financially, but just I think really, Lenny, you your definition of success, and I'm just defining it for you, is to see others be the best versions of themselves every single day and establish the habits that will get them there. Because the money is going to come if you do that. Because if you focus on the money, you're going to run yourself into the ground. If you focus on your mind and your body and your spirit, do they you're talk, build your foundation? They talk about burnout all the time. It's because you're chasing the money. Because you don't like it. That's why it's up and down. But I remember what I texted. I was very supportive, but I also said, I really think that your previous coworkers would welcome you back. Oh yeah. And that's really yeah. set you off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I was, and you would also you you got on my ass. When uh, I woke up at like 6.30 one day. And if you're in this coaching program, you have to work out. You got to wake up at, you know, whatever time designated, five, six. And he's like, he texted me. He's like, it's okay. I'm sure your, your coworkers will take you back, you know, with open arms. I'm sure, I'm sure your wife and kids don't want any more time with you. And that was, that was a slap in the face as well. And I was just like. I, I had that on my board now. Like I will not trade time for money because I will watch. This is what you said. It's okay. Someone else can uh, raise your kids. Someone else. Um, you, you don't have to be there to watch your kids grow up. And you have someone else say that to you in the most loving way. That's special. It's it's really hard, and I, and I really want everybody to understand this. It's very hard for me to get across the amount of adults that don't have anybody in their corner, like like really in their corner with no ulterior motives. And and and, and the thing is, is like what we're actually seeking out in the world. Me is me included. Me included. I have my mentor will be here in two hours. Like like me included needs the support and and need somebody to slap the shit out of you when it's needed but also need somebody to say and i have that with you know cassie and my girlfriend like and and she just makes me feel so silly when i get so like worked up about something she's like hey dude like six months ago you were here look at like and i was like i'm like oh that's a good point like you know and 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 if anybody's seen uh, which if you haven't, I don't know what you're doing with your time. Indiana Jones, you know, when he has to do the gauntlet thing and he walks out on the bridge, that's not there. He just has to believe it's there. 
Yeah, that's entrepreneurship. Yeah. Because it's never going to be stable. That that that's not the defining that never in the word entrepreneurship is the description stable. Yeah. But the description is whatever you want it to be. Well, damn, that excites the shit out of me. Yeah. You got to be creative in your own sense. I don't think I'm like artistically creative, but I'm the type of person and a lot of and entrepreneurs are, you don't want to be in that box. You don't want to be, you, you don't want to be told, told what to do. Not in like an ego. Maybe there's a little ego in it, but I don't, I, I be, truly believe that's not how we're supposed to live life. Because we can't fully be ourselves. You see the weirdest people, and most of them are entrepreneurs. I'm telling you. I was thinking about this yesterday. There's there's art to it. Like, yeah. like some sort of like creative kind of mechanism. They have their own style, tattoos, interests, um, you know, their their little spin on no business is the same. I don't care if it's a wholesale business or multi. You know what's crazy, man? Business. You know what's crazy? I met a guy, I interviewed him. You got to meet this dude. Super great uh, coach and businessman. So he does dent repairs on fancy cars with no paint chip. It's all heat and movement, mm-hmm. right? And he did $350,000 last year by himself. And nobody even knows the name of his like business. And I said, isn't that a metaphor for your coaching business too? You're bending and shaping metal without, without chipping the paint. And he goes, I never thought of it that way. But what I'm saying is there really is something out there for everybody. And just commit to it, whatever you do. By the way, he said that 16 times in the interview. He said, he said, I'm not going to give any other advice. He said, commitment is all you need. Yeah, because we, I mean, there's a lot of different opportunities out there, but it's like, let's go deep in, in real estate. There's a lot of aspects of it, but this is my mindset. Now I'm just going deep in rentals and wholesale and using that income to do whatever I want with it. Mm-hmm. Whether that's other businesses when I get to that point where that's scaling, but I want to build this up right now. So I have a credible investment business in my market that people come to me for their flips, their rentals, and their large, large multifamily investment properties. Like I want to be top of mind mm-hmm. for that here in greater Cincinnati. What what do you what do you think the aspects of wholesaling is easier than you thought and harder than you thought? Um, calling, cold calling. Mm-hmm. It's it's easier than I thought it would be. Um, I used to make hundreds of calls every week as a multifamily broker calling these owners that are more sophisticated. And I'm not saying, you know, single family owners are not, but it's not as scary because there's so many opportunities out there where I know that next no is getting me closer to the next yes. Um, so cold calling, it's scary for some people, but you just got to get on the horn and just make those calls. 
it's all it's all repetition. It's all a numbers game with that. Um, I hate selling selling deals. I when I get them under contract, it stresses me out. I love the acquisitions part, and unless I'm selling to a hedge fund, which is super easy to sell to, it is so hard to, for me to establish those relationships right now because I'm doing. I'm a one man band. When I put a deal under contract and I do a disposition, now all my energies to the disposition and qualifying the buyers. So I don't have those relationships quite yet um, in my market. Um, but I think I told you that. Like I, it, it should be the most exciting part, but I, I hate it because. I have to qualify all these people and a lot of them are tire kickers. And I just feel like I just, I don't have time for that. Mm -hmm. Um, But in general, it's a pretty simple business. There's a lot of, um, you know, there's a, it's, it's pretty unregulated as well, which is good and bad for, for some people. Um, But it's, you can easily go down this road where you're trying to take advantage of people putting deals under contract um, just to renegotiate or um, not really having a a buyer. I mean, really you should put deals under contract that you can buy. Mm -hmm. That's legally what you should do. So it's getting over that. I really had a hard time with, man, do I really want to continue to do this? Um, Because I just felt like there was a lot of uh, internal conviction with what I was doing at times until I had the mindset of, I'm going to just try to solve their problem. Whatever problem they have, how can I solve it? And how can I be that hero to help them get to where they want to go? And that really helped me. you know, have a better mindset about wholesaling. Um, but at the beginning, it was all about money. Like, just to be honest, just to keep afloat, because that's all, that's all I thought about. Mm-hmm. And then once I had that breathing room, it really, um, I'm trying to figure out how I can build a really substantial business with good people that do the right things always. So that's, I mean, I'm in, I'm in the thick of that right now. And I, th- I think what's important to me is, is you and I talk business from time to time for sure. But I think what's the most impressive thing to me about you and, and your wife is, is that there's certain people in my life uh, that I want to model after when, when I'm a, when I'm a father and the respect that I have for, for you and your wife and, and who you are as a mom and dad, um, you know, it's really at the highest level. Um, you know, and I've never actually even spoken to your wife, but we've texted a bunch, um, you know, and she scares the shit out of me. I'm not going to lie to you. Like your wife, I think if, if she went to boxing, like a couple of weeks from now, I'd be like, yeah, she's going to win. Like, you know, and so what is it like to have a spouse who's 
I just feel like the communications there, but also on board with, with the ride, you know? Yeah. I think it's super important as a father to cast some sort of vision for your family and have a, a set of values and beliefs that everyone can get behind. Um, so we have these things in our, in our family that we talk about, um, whether that's just saying, Hey, the Masons are different and not, and not an ego way. We just do things differently. We don't, we don't live like everyone else lives. Um, we stand up to bullies. We do the right things. Like my daughter, um, last week was like, dad, my heart is filled with gold and I just want to give it to people. And I'm like, that is what the Masons do. Right. Um, and it's, we were committed. I mean, we got married in college, so she played soccer and I played football there, um, in college. And it was one of those things where I just knew, you know, I was wild in college until I met her. Um, I, I just knew that I wanted to settle down and I'm, I'm a committed person. So I committed myself to her and it was like that from day one. And we always had this thing in our hearts that we wanted to build a family together and live life differently. And she's, I give her the freedom. She's a stay at home mom. I give her the freedom to I don't give her the freedom, but I want her to be home too, because we have more influence over our kids. We have more time with our kids and we have, uh, we just have that on our heart that more is caught than taught and whoever your kids spend the most time around, that's who's going to influence them. So how can, how can we cast a vision for our family where their wants, needs, and desires are taken care of so they don't look for it elsewhere? And how can mom and dad view the kids as an asset and not a liability? Because, you know, society nowadays looks at kids as a burden. Well, those kids didn't choose to be here. You know, we wanted them to be here. So what can I water in their souls? What, what gifts do they have? Talents, skills. What do I see in them right now at the age of six, five, and one year that I, that I can cultivate and create an environment for them to thrive? I ask myself that question. And the answer is dad has to be home first. In our situation, as soon as dad can have his own business and be home, that gives us the freedom to do what we want to do and also tailor our schedule to benefit our family. So it's constant auditing our thoughts and what we're doing. We just put them in school. We were doing homeschool, um, but it's just three hours a day. So there's a lot of things that we're still figuring out, but it starts with a vision, beliefs, and then some training tools at the dinner table, 
um, one-on-ones with each kid, you know, Wednesday nights or Thursday nights, date nights, prioritize your family. Like you do this business whiteboard, like you can literally whiteboard it. There's a reason why the Rockefellers are so wealthy and they all carry the same values because they have family meetings and they discuss these type of things and they make decisions that impact the next generation and not just you and the car you have in your driveway. And that long-term mindset, typically it, it takes a lot longer to get there, but it's typically more purposeful in your heart as a husband to know that what I'm teaching my kids is actually teaching my grandkids. Right. So um, we're super passionate about family and that dynamic. And it's, it's, it's something that's always on our hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. How can we create that environment and how can we influence their hearts so they can be the best versions of themselves? Love it. Love it. So I'm going to ask you one last question. What advice would you give to Corey, December Corey, of this previous year? Yeah. Worrying is not going to get you where you want to go. That imaginary suffering that you have in your brain right now is not real. Focus on the present work the work to get there and everything else will fall into place. I love it. I mean, it's simple, but it's been in my heart the past week or so that advice. Cause when you asked me, Hey, what advice would you give to your kid right now? If they were going through this, just keep going. Just keep going. Couldn't agree more. The only way that you give up is if you stop. <laughs> it's, I mean, like, I really feel like the difference between me now and me in the past is that I do things or I get it done even when I'm not at my best. I really think that's the separation between who I was and who I am now. So hard. That is like, that is like the hardest thing. It's like, not negotiating with your feelings. Mm-hmm. Like how I, that is a separator. That is mm-hmm. such a big separator. And I struggle with it daily. Whether that's waking up, working out, whatever, read my books. It's easy to, you know, let things slide a little bit and say, all right, I, you know, I'll read 20 pages tomorrow instead of 10 today. You know, mm-hmm. I'll make up for it. As soon as you do that, man, it's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope because as a as a as an owner of a company and as a boss, if you start slipping, then how can you hold your 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 coworkers or your people that work for you or anybody you do business with? How can you bitch on them? Yeah, I I think everybody else's standards of everybody else are pretty high, but I want you to turn the mirror on you. Like how, how can you hold judgment over other people if you're not doing what you should be doing? Yeah. 
that's it's a big problem. Self-awareness is not talked about really. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, nobody's ever perfect, but if you get up the, ne- the next day and you say, I'm going to be better than I was yesterday, that's all you need. If you do that over and over again, because I'm telling you right now, when you're living the process, this happens really quickly. I mean, you've only been, you haven't even been wholesale in a year. <laughs> like, can you imagine what this looks like in six or seven years? It's going to be ridiculous. Yeah. And, and, and by then, I'm going to have larger multifamily apartment buildings, which is going to be great. And uh, you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. But I do know that I'm going to put in the work to get, you know, what I want out of life. And I don't even want to pretend that I know what the future holds anymore because it gives me worry and anxiety. And I can have the goals. Like you say, shelf them, put them on the burner, show up and do the work. I mean, if you want to get it, if that's what you really want, like in your heart of hearts, what do you want and what price are you willing to pay to get it? That's it. I love it. So if people want to follow along, even though you don't post that much, how would they do that? How, How would they reach out to you? Um, I have an Instagram. I don't post that much, but it's, it's Corey M C O R E Y M as in Michael Mason. I think that's my handle. Just shoot me a DM, man. Perfect. Love to talk to anybody. I love it guys. If you got some value from this episode, send it out to your friend, share it with somebody that could get some value from this and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Construct Your Life with Austin Lenny. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to start constructing your life by taking immediate action on what you learned. For show notes, resources, and more information on one-on-one coaching with Austin, visit constructyourlifepodcast.com.